everybody, and welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and I'm so glad that you are here. For this episode of the Enlighten Me podcast, we are welcoming Priya. Priya is actually the very first British person to ever be on the show, which is super fun. I definitely get a lot more fun out of editing episodes where people have accents. It just mixes things up for me, so I had a lot of fun chatting with her and learning from her. It was also a fun little challenge to figure out time zone differences between London and Eastern Time in the U.S., But anyways, I came across Priya's blog and I had actually been wanting to do an episode and learn more about sun protection. And I came across her blog and saw that she knows a lot about different types of skincare and hair care and specifically knows way more about SPF than I do. So I asked if she'd be willing to come on the show and she was. The reason I was interested in this topic was I actually heard another podcast about this years ago and it always stuck with me about how I should probably wear sunscreen more often. I knew it was a thing, but I really didn't look further into it and I did not personally do it. And so it had always been something I wanted to know more about. But as we all know, it's just hard to break old habits. But I wanted to get the scoop on sunscreen. What really is it? What are the ingredients? How often do I really need to be wearing it? How do I know if I'm buying a good kind or not, etc., etc. Uh, I thought this was really important as summer is approaching or maybe already here, depending on where you live, but I also found out that it's not just important for summer, it's actually important all year round. So no matter when you're listening to this, whether it's in real time or later on, it doesn't really matter because we need sunscreen all the time. I also connected with Priya over the fact that she is passionate about sustainability and the environment, so that's really cool. She looks specifically for how ethical brands are and if they're doing a good job sourcing their ingredients and being transparent about their manufacturing, which I definitely appreciate, and she even works with brands to help them be more sustainable. She'll even go so far as to reach out as a consumer, ask them the tough questions, and educate them if they are willing to learn from her. So she's going to talk more about that in this episode. We also discuss specific things that she looks for in the brands that she's using, tools that she uses to find those brands, and what exactly SPF is and why we need it, of course. Uh, I want to point out that this conversation is not just for women, and it's also not just for Caucasian people. Okay, Priya is brown herself, and she tells us why this conversation is for men, this conversation is for people with darker skin tones, it's for everybody, okay? So don't be under the myth that just white pasty people need sun protection, we all need it. This is just part one of the conversation, so there will be a part two to come, but for now, just make sure you're subscribed to the show and leave a review while you're over there, and enjoy getting to know Priya. All right. Hey, Priya. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how are you? Good. Thanks so much for joining me today. Can you just start with introducing yourself for everybody? Yeah, sure. So my name's Priya. I'm a... British as you can maybe tell from my accent. (laughs) I currently live in London um, in isolation as well. (laughs) I have a hair and skin blog which um, I started around a year ago. Yeah about a year ago Mm -hmm. and so I've been doing the blog for around a year. When I first started it it was more of an outlet for me so I wasn't very consistent with it. It was just when I felt I wanted to 
blog something or put something mm-hmm. up and also to meet people and to mainly I would say just to learn more about skincare and hair care and mm-hmm. then it came into going into like the well-being part as well because I personally feel that everything is connected in terms of how you feel and then it gets transferred to your skin and vice versa. So um, Mm -hmm. I wanted my blog to kind of be a broad theme of all those. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I would say probably from September I'll be more on it and posting more and probably communicating with brands and people and even advising people um, over Instagram just because I've had a lot of people asking me what can I do with this and that. Um, And a lot of people have obviously asked me how I started uh, my interest in skincare. It started with when I was probably like a teenager. And also when I was 24, I had really bad acne, like really bad Mm -hmm. to the point where they were under the skin and it really hurt just to even touch them. And when I looked at my face, I hated it. I just covered it with makeup. And it was when I was a teenager, it was on my forehead. And I always got, because I come from an Asian background, like looks were a big thing. So I always got kind of not nice comments from family members and stuff. So it made me really self-conscious. And when I was Mm -hmm. older, because adult acne wasn't a thing. So it was like, why are you getting acne now? You're 24, like what the hell kind of thing. And I was like, (laughs) this isn't normal. What the hell's wrong with my skin? I used to go to the doctor and the doctor just kept prescribing me the contraceptive pills, different ones saying this will help, this will help. So I think that's another part of my journey because I just didn't feel like in the UK, the NHS really helped with the dermatological side of (laughs) health and yeah there wasn't that much information out there I could go to like say um so we have um a boots which is I, I think uh, your version of Ulta Beauty oh yeah um so I went to places like that to ask for advice but I just didn't think that it, they were very knowledgeable in that area I only think I personally feel like recently it's become more of an area people are engaging in and trying to find more information and re- doing their own research basically and there's more facialists out there that are engaging with people and sharing their um, what they've learned over the years so that's where I started and to be fair because I really want to know more I'm actually doing a course next month to do with skincare so I believe that the the theoretical side is going to be over the internet and then once uh, isolation ban is over um, we'll be able to do some practical work as well yeah yeah I think that's where about my skincare journey started yeah that's really cool now is this blog your full-time gig or do you work outside of it too it's it's um my side hustle I would say okay um I am actually a financial crime officer in banking private banking that's my nine-to-five job so it's interesting in that terms but I feel like this is more of my passion yeah um I've just even in my nine-to-five job I'm there like on the sly researching skincare (laughs) stuff and skincare ingredients without my manager knowing so it's definitely a passion I want to pursue so um yeah I think only recently I've realized how much of a passion it is and how much I want to kind of maybe 
go more into this and make this more of my full-time living yeah in the future yeah that's awesome yeah well that's that's really neat that you your kind of personal struggles with skincare is what started this and I'll just say that I've seen pictures of you on your Instagram account and I would never know that you struggled with acne like I feel like people that struggle with (laughs) acne really bad have like scars from it and your skin looks perfect so that's surprising (laughs) thank you yeah I have I have I think with the camera I use because I only use an iPhone camera (laughs) it kind of blurs out some of the acne if I'm honest but when I do take uh, videos on the stories you can kind of see it on my right hand side there's some scarring there like I've got some pimples now Uh and it's left some scarring so it's there but I've just I've come to terms with the fact that it's there over time my scarring will eventually go down some of it won't go away and that's Mm -hmm. okay I'm okay with that like on my Mm -hmm. forehead there's some like I don't know what the medical term is but there's like dips or whatnot um, in Mm -hmm. my skin and even a couple on my um, cheeks but it doesn't bother me that much because I've because of the blog I've connected with so many different people that have had similar situations and feelings and when you all come together you all kind of realize that it is what it is we can only treat our skin as best as we can but it's more about accepting it as well yep well that's really cool um so I want to talk about what you said you you like to focus on with your blog so what have you learned I mean if you just can give us kind of a summary like what are some issues you feel like there are with products that are on the market today whether it's like issues for our personal health or like you Mm -hmm. said you like to look at sustainability so issues Mm -hmm. that you see with environmental effects what are some problems that you feel like there are in a lot of products today I think one of my biggest gripes is that I feel like brands are sending out so many mixed messages to consumers. So mm-hmm. if a brand wants to put out a certain message, they'll go out their way to say this is the best thing ever and then kind of badmouth the other stuff. So, for example, clean beauty will badmouth other um, ingredients or natural um, products will badmouth those that have synthetic ingredients and synthetic products will badmouth those that use just natural um, ingredients. I personally feel like a combination of both is good for your skin, but I don't think one set fits all. It just depends on your skin type. And that's why I highly recommend for each person to kind of know their skin, get to know their skin and what it likes and what it doesn't like. And then you can go and choose what kind of brands and products you should use. I don't feel like mm-hmm. brands do this well for consumers because obviously their main aim is to market their own products and say it's the best thing since sliced bread. Sorry, I don't know if that's a, if the US people have heard that, but that's like a UK saying. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it's, it's better than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest one. So I think brands need to be a bit more clearer and a, less misleading. Like I've had um, people come up to me. So we have um, a couple of brands here. It's a bit similar to Arbonne. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Arbonne. I have heard of it. Yeah. So it's a bit similar to Arbonne. So there's a couple of skincare brands that are similar structure in that way here. And when they've come up to me, they've given me a load of information. And when I've asked them to, can I have 
information or studies to back that up there's nothing there they don't know they're just regurgitating what they've been told by their marketing um executive so i feel like that's another problem mm-hmm. as well like if you're going to work for a brand get to know your um, products and ingredients and if you're going to say a certain message at least have a like backup and information for the consumer because there are consumers out there that will want to know more information Sure. Also, my other biggest mm-hmm. gripe is the lack of sustainability in so many of these brands, like the lack of information as well and transparency, which is baffling to me, seeing as though one of our biggest topics around the world globally is about saving the environment and climate change and how we can help and mm-hmm. everything. So I just think if you're trying to sell your product, you should be quite clear about how you are sustainable as well. Mm-hmm. I've had like through this, I've actually contacted brands via either Instagram mail or email or even going on their website to try and find the contact us page. I've spoken to a couple on the phone as well, like trying to find out information. Like, how do you do it? Why do you do it? Um, the biggest one that I've had received back, like the biggest, like the answer that I've received the most is we're sustainable as far as we can possibly be, but it doesn't explain how, uh-huh. which um, I, I think is just a very, very shit answer if I'm completely blatant about it. So, yeah. um, for example, like um, with the harm to the planet, it's, I think the planet isn't just what what you pack it in so the packaging that's not the only thing that's part of sustainability for me it's also how you source the ingredients where do you source them from do you give back to that area and there's a lot of big brands Mm. that do but there are also a lot of big brands that don't and Mm. also like transportation so how do you transport the ingredient from where it's harvested and grown and then to the factory and then to the consumer there's a lot of transportation in between all of that and mm-hmm. obviously the main one is packaging so mm-hmm. I don't want to name brands but I feel like sometimes it's important too so one of the brands that I've had to chase so many times and I've had I've had like very blase answers is um Dr Jart I'm quite disappointed with that brand if I'm honest okay. just because they're quite popular here in the UK and I believe they are in the US as well mm-hmm. and for a popular brand I feel like their sustainability habits need to be a lot more transparent yeah another new skincare brand is Huda Beauty so Huda brought out a skincare product um, a couple of months ago and straight away I asked a question the, your product seems amazing I really want to know more can you tell me more information on sustainability I was just ignored I wasn't told anything and then when you go on to the skincare part of the website there's just a line that I think that says um, it's sustainable as far as it can possibly be but it doesn't give you any information so it could be that they're not sustainable at all in any part of their production or they could be 100% sustainable or 90% we just don't know and I feel like you're not being transparent with your consumers and you're hoping that people won't ask those questions Mm -hmm. but one brand I would say that I feel has made a good effort is Way Way Hair Care so I think they have body care and skincare stuff yeah. yeah I've seen you post about them on Instagram I think it's like it starts with an O is that right yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, there's so many different ways of pronouncing it. Right. I think we, we, and all that. And then I asked them straight. I was like, "Has you pronounced your brand? And they're like, wait. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so 
When I first posted about them, this is like my journey towards asking the brand about their sustainability effort. So I emailed them, I messaged them. And when Wei came back to me, it was quite blasé. And I was quite upfront with them. And I put it in a post like, this is what the information they gave me, but I don't feel like it's adequate enough. Seen as though it is a global brand now, um, it's available in the UK, it's a US brand. So you need to make a bit more of an effort to be transparent. Mm -hmm. Then someone from the customer service um, department came back to me and they were like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, can, what information do you need? And I was like, I need, I, w- I would like to know all of this information, including like your packaging and how you, people, environment, and how you plan on making it better in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't expect a brand to be perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect brand. But if you're mm-hmm. doing stuff and you're making the steps, then I'm happy with that. But when I'm not seeing enough, then I don't want to buy products from you anymore. That's uh-huh. just my line. Yeah. But then they came back and there was like a lot of back and forth emails. And I think even the owner of the brand messaged me and they actually took everything on board and they've now come up with like a whole repackage they've repackaged their newest products so it's 100% recyclable they've even thought about their production line or ways of making maybe like um so they've got a pouch which for their shampoo which you can put into your um container that you have now and it contains mm-hmm. i think two and a half times more than a normal container which means less production which means less um time using the machinery less emission and it carries on and it also means less labor as well and yeah. i think I believe that all of their ingredients are sourced locally. And then I believe that they are going to put up this information a bit more clear on their website soon. But there's a lot of other things which I'm not allowed to say, but they're that are in the works as well for them. And I'm just happy that a brand was able to listen, take on board my comments and are making changes. It's not like they were just told, I was right. just told, go away, we don't want it. Or this is it, this is the only information. And then just stop replying to me, <laughs> which a lot of brands have. Right. But yeah, um, so I feel like that's very that's a very important issue when it comes to to be fair any brand. But because my passion is in skincare and hair care, I focus more on brands um, in that area. Yeah, that's great. So, what would you recommend for people to look for in the brands that they're buying from, um, especially knowing that a lot of listeners are in many different countries, obviously Latin America, but you know, I know I have listeners in India and Australia and I know that the European Union has higher standards I think than America does for like ingredients and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, considering that there's people from all over, what would you recommend that people look for in their products whether it's the ingredients or the sustainability? component do you have any like quick tips for people um firstly I think the most important thing is know your skin I think that's the most important uh-huh. part of going out there and picking your a product because a brand could be 100% sustainable but then it could not work for your skin so I think the first step is knowing your skin what problems do you have or what do you want to solve and then going out there and a lot of the websites do have a section on sustainability or packaging or ingredients. I think in terms of ingredients and what you're looking for, a really good site, Paula's Choice, that's one of my go-to sites, if I'm honest, for ingredients and knowing what they do and what they are. Like, 
I feel like Polish Choice, out of all the brands, are very transparent in terms of chemicals, synthetic ingredients, natural ingredients. They don't badmouth any of them. They just, this is what it is. If it's harmful, then we'll tell you it's harmful. If it's not, then we'll tell you it's not. And it's not like they've just come up with the information just at the back of, like, on top of their heads. If you look at the bottom of the page, they actually cite where they've got the information from, and it's globally. So there are some from the UK Dermatology Institute or some from the Indian one, some from the US one. So they do look globally around to see, source the um, information on ingredients. So I think that would be like probably my second point of call if you're if you're interested in ingredients and what will work and what mm. won't. So that site is definitely good. You can always use Google, but that kind of has everything for me. Mm-hmm. Also, like um, if you're worried about how it's going to affect your skin, from what I've done, from the research I've done, it seems that UK and EU do have the highest standards in terms of formulations and ingredients. So just to put like an example, there's a couple of products where that aren't available in the EU but are available in the US. Um, I think baby facial is the most mm-hmm. popular one, and it's not to do with I think I think it's it's not to do with the AHH and BHA. It's to do with the formulation because we do have products which have the same percentage of AHH and BHA, but I think it's the type of each um, AHA or BHA they use and how it's formulated that's not allowed in the um, EU. So I know that people have become a bit desensitized by baby facial. I have baby facial because when I went to America last year, I just really wanted to try it. And I do love it, but there there have been times when I've used it and I'm like, oh, wow, this is like stinging a bit too much for me. So I don't know if that might be the reason because I don't know the exact formula of the AHA and BHA from drunk elephant to tell you why exactly it's not available here mm-hmm. but yeah and also glossier they have a spot stick zit stick i can't remember what it's called but it's for spots obviously and when i that we had a glossier pop-up in the uk and when i was speaking to the lady she actually said that the formula is actually different to the one that's available here to the us because the concentration of a couple of the ingredients, I think it's salicylic acid, um, is a bit stronger in the US than the ones allowed in the EU. So maybe look at the strength. I know like people want to have their problems solved overnight, but I'd rather do it gradually and have my skin mm-hmm. okay long term than have something so strong it's gone within the day and then it like messes up my skin long term so look at how strong something is as well if it's really strong then I wouldn't go there if I'm honest unless you've been prescribed by by a dermatologist I just wouldn't try it and also like for example vitamin c so I know that Mm -hmm. from my talks that I've been on and these are probably like from people that are like very well established so Caroline Hurons I know that she's popular over in the US as well She's a skincare Mm -hmm. expert and her and a couple of other skincare experts were at a talk that I went to and they mentioned vitamin C. So so quite a few people become sensitized by vitamin C and that's because they go for 
kind of the strongest vitamin C percentage they can find. If vitamin C Uh is going to work for you, it doesn't really matter if it's like 12% or 8%. Like the stronger it is, the more harm it can also do. So I would go for a lower vitamin C percentage to see how your skin reacts than going to the strongest one. So for my go-to would be look at your skin concerns, check out what ingredient you need for those skin concerns because different ingredients, different skin concerns. And then Uh go to the lowest percentage you can find to see how your skin reacts rather than going to the strongest one thinking that it's going to do magic overnight Hmm. so yeah so those are my three things I would say just because your skin changes all the time I have different ingredients different skincare products just because one day it could be dry one day it could be very oily or one day it could be very spotty like around hormonal times and hormonal breakouts so I would use a different set of products for that time so yeah I would assess your skin and then look at the ingredients and then uh, go to the smallest percentage Okay. Yeah, that's super helpful. And I I should have asked this at the beginning, but a lot of Mm -hmm. times with this topic, it can seem like we're just talking about skincare for women or, you know, makeup Mm -hmm. or things that only females use. And so I was just wondering if you could touch on like, does this affect men too? Does this affect everybody, whether or not they wear makeup? It affects anyone that has skin. (laughs) So there's no discrimination. I know like... I know a lot of brands aim and market it at ladies just because we're more into our skin than men. But the last few years, men have become more into their skin and looking after their skins a bit more. For example, my boyfriend, he he had a whole line, I think it was proactive because he had acne Mm -hmm. and he was looking after his skin. And now he doesn't have it, touched that I have literally binned all the proactive stuff and I've given him a bit of a routine depending on his skin. But he's into his skincare. Yeah. And it's not it just means that you're looking after your skin. There's no discrimination. So when a product's being marketed and all you see is females everywhere, it doesn't mean a man can't use it. There's no difference. Mm. And there are certain companies that are coming out that are just for men, and that's just be- that's purely marketing. Women, it doesn't mean women can't mm-hmm. use it. It's just obviously they want men to feel more comfortable using these stuff which is good because I think a lot more men do need to get into their skincare especially SPF (laughs) yes yes which is what we want to talk about next so I've had you know skincare isn't like a brand new topic to the podcast Mm -hmm. I spoke with a girl named Stephanie who runs a blog and she talks about um like cruelty free skincare and cruelty free products in general Mm -hmm. and then um I also recently interviewed a mom and daughter who own a business called no tox life and so they're focused on non-toxic skincare but also just like household products too and so I've talked about skincare a few times on the show but something we haven't really covered is SPF and Mm -hmm. sun protection and so that's what I had originally reached out to you about just because you know it's getting warmer and people are starting to think more about sunscreen Mm -hmm. and everything and It's something that I feel like over the past few years, people have started to think about, like, what is in my sunscreen, you know? And it's something that even I know the American government has started to say, like, actually, these ingredients we've been using aren't that safe after all. And so it's something that's 
you know, people are getting more aware of, but I feel like there's still a lot of unknowns out there, like a lot of confusion. So I wanted to talk with you about that because I know that's something you're conscious of is, is using SPF regularly. So first, can we just talk about the misconception of like, oh yeah, wear sunscreen when you go to the beach and you're there all day. But that's it. (laughs) You know, we we need sunscreen or SPF more often than that, don't we? You need it every day. Whenever whenever there's daylight, whether it's cloudy, raining, sun, warm, cold, hot, you need it every Mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. Even in the winter? Yep. Yep. Okay. And why can you explain like Mm -hmm. what is SPF and why do we need it every day? So SPF is just basically sun protection. There's a couple of parts to it. So you have UVA rays and UVB rays as well. So the way I remember it is UVA is A for aging. Those are Mm -hmm. the ones that will age your skin. And if you don't wear sun sun protection and you're trying to look young or keep young, you need mm-hmm. to wear it, otherwise you're going to be wrinkly as fuck by the time you're 30, 40, <laughs> 50, depending on how much you sunbathe or you mm-hmm. go out. Um, this, the strength of the rays do, I believe, change um, during the year because obviously when it's hotter, you get more of it um, than when it's in the winter. And yeah, so that's that. And then UVB, um, so the B stands for burning. So it will burn your skin. Mm. So this is, I think this one is the one that's commonly misunderstood, that UVB is around all year and the strength of it is pretty much the same all year regardless of the weather. So it can filter through clouds. It can filter through, like, rainy days. And even if you're inside, like, it can filter through the glass. If you're by a window, like right now, the window is behind me, so it's on my back. Mm-hmm. So the sun, the, the UVB is coming through because it's quite a sunny day here. But even if it wasn't, even if it was cloudy, the light is coming through the glass and onto my skin. Mm-hmm. So I should have SPF on my back as well. Any part of your body or your skin that's exposed to daylight, it should be covered in SPF. And another common misconception is that obviously the darker melanin um, skin doesn't need any of this. Mm-hmm. We're okay. And that was something I actually, I put my hands up, I believed when I was like in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I'm brown. I don't need this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not true. Like our skin isn't immune to it. Our skin is a tiny. And I think when I went to, so there's a dermatologist called Anjali Mohota, um, which is, she's a UK dermatologist. And she's actually got a book called The Skincare Bible. Um, I believe it's available in the US as well. Okay. So I've been to a few of her talks and I believe she said that it's very minuscule, the amount of difference. It's not that much for us to say, oh, because you've got darker skin, you don't need to wear sunscreen. Mm-hmm. The, the, it's just, it's, that's just a myth that needs to go away. You need to wear sunscreen. Mm, okay. So I think, yeah, what what you said about how even when there's clouds, like as long as there's daylight, as long as you can see, that means there's mm-hmm. rays coming through yeah. that are going to affect your skin, you know, even when it's cold, even when it's cloudy, even when it's rainy. Yeah. And so I think maybe another thing that people don't realize is those UVA and UVB rays can still affect you even if you're not laying out in your swimsuit tanning. Even when yeah. you walk outside, if yeah. the only thing exposed is your face, I mean, you're still getting rays on your face, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think one of the things that we were going to mention is my scare Mm -hmm. last year that I had. So again, when I was in my 20s, I didn't think SPF was important Mm -hmm. to me. I didn't think I would need it, to be fair, unless I was on holiday. And even when I went on holiday and I was sunbathing, I put it on here and there. I, I wasn't religious about it. But last year I found a... Well, I had a mole, which was just on my left side of my ribs mm-hmm. and it was a normal um, mole for quite a few years and then I looked at it one day and it just became very because uh, usually when it's um perfectly round and within a certain centimeter diameter it's fine yeah. but this had become kind of like I don't know how to describe it. It looked like Africa to me. Like on my like the mole had grown and it grown into like like the shape was all different. It wasn't round anymore uh-huh. and whatnot. So then I went to my doctor. So in the UK, because through my work I have private medical, I have to go to the GP who then refers me to the private medical. So in the UK to go to do it um in a normal way it can take up to three months so if you're not lucky enough to have private medical through work it's a long process to even get it checked out let alone get it removed mm-hmm. whereas because I was lucky enough to have private medical I went through private medical and within three weeks it was sorted so I went in and the dermatologist checked and it was like yeah this is abnormal we need to cut it out and he did say you can leave it and you can see how it goes or cut it out, but I recommend you cut it out because they have to give you that option. It is ultimately your choice. Mm. And then I had it cut out the next week, and then the week after they gave me the results of what it was, and it was, I think it was like on the first, so either it's um, round and nothing, or then you have four stages, um, and the fourth stage is obviously cancerous, Mm -hmm. but the stages before that is leading up to it. Mm -hmm. I was at stage one. So I my my mole was starting to go into can, uh, cancerous mole, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. So after I got it cut out, I was just so happy and relieved that I did. I could have left it and it could have stayed at stage one for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Or it could have gone to one to four very quickly. Right. And I just wanted to point out as well to the listeners, like, that part of my body had very little sun exposure. It only had sun exposure when I went on holiday. Uh-huh. And I have been going on holiday, say, once a year, but sunbathing holidays, probably like once a year, once every other year, which is hardly any compared to some people that go out onto the beach or sunbathe on a regular basis. So yeah. if a brown girl like me who sunbathes every other year <laughs> can have this kind of scare, so can anyone else right well and that makes me think about like even if you don't go on vacation let's say Mm -hmm. when you are walking outside every day whether it's just like walking to your car to walk to the store or you know walking from your car into work like we're all obviously outside even if we don't live by the beach we're all outside to some degree every day and if your face is exposed every single day to the sun and its rays like even if it's short amount of time you know that obviously adds up over weeks and months and years and so like you're saying if that that one particular part of your body was rarely exposed to the sun think about like our faces and our hands and things that are exposed every day yeah like it's such a I think it's it's been played down quite a lot and I have a couple of moles on my face Mm -hmm. but 
they're not big but I make sure that I put SPF on my face every day regardless mm-hmm. of whether I'm stepping out or not I live in a flat that has windows so I don't want to risk it and the sun exposure like I said the UVB it doesn't discriminate between <laughs> whether it's sunny or cold or you know anything outside like it is still the same similar strength all year round so it will get you yeah and this is the one that can lead to skin cancer yeah, you know, and we're not saying all this to scare everybody, obviously, but just to no. say it's important to wear SPF. I bet you are currently going through your mind thinking about how much sunscreen you have stocked up for the summer because you needed a lot more than you thought you did, right? Well, before you go and buy just any old sunscreen, wait for part two, okay? In part two, we are going to talk about what you need to look for in sunscreen and specifically what ingredients to avoid, okay? There are health aspects to this and there are environmental aspects to this. So wait for part two before you go and buy a ton of sunscreen, but I love where your head's at if that's what you're thinking. Priya is actually going to give us some of her favorite brands of sunscreen and I will do the same. So, like I said, in the meantime, make sure you're subscribed to the show so that you can get notified when part two is available. That will be next week. And also, please leave a review while you're over there. It would mean a lot to me, and I am still donating money for reviews, donating $2 for every review I receive right now. If you want to hear more about that, go check out my two-year anniversary episode. But please leave a review. It helps other people to find the show, and it's going to help people in need, so that's pretty cool. You can also see the show notes over there for links that everything Priya referenced, including her blog. So please check those out. Uh, Let me know what you thought of the show. I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or comments. But for now, go check out Priya's blog, layer up on that sunscreen, no matter what the weather is today, and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out. Peace out.